Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone, to the Tactical Yanks podcast. We have a special episode today, a very special one. Everyone loved the episode where we brought Adam, also known as USMNT Stan, or Stan USMNT on Twitter, which you guys can go follow. follow. But the last time we had Adam, Pete wasn't here. He had abandoned the podcast to go on vacation to Germany. So first and foremost, Pete, It's because I was told I was going to have a limited role in the subsequent podcast. (laughs) I was pouting a little bit. I... I, I and I admire that behavior because it means you want to be part of the podcast. I think that's very important. I think this makes me Jordan Morris then, which I don't know how I feel about that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, play, I'll play along. I do work really hard. Like I try really hard. Yeah. So you you're more Paul, he's more Poriola than Jordan Morris. All right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. That wait, wait, wait a second. Why did I get the worst one on? That makes me Greg Burhalter. <laughs> that's true yeah triple G well that's what you here. get for telling me i was gonna have a limited role <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst one possible i'd rather be Jordan <laughs> morris <laughs> but anyhow everyone's here uh this will be a fun one we have actually some two controversial topics in one topic that's just a transfer that might happen uh, it's a rumor but it looks like there's some something to it it's real the first topic we're going to talk about is Tyler Adams. We'll get to that very soon. Um, we'll be giving our thoughts on whether or not he's been overhyped a little bit from the fan base, fairly hyped by the fan base, good, bad, what he's good at, what he's bad at. We'll discuss that. I think we have some different opinions here. We'll talk about Weston McKinney's possible move to, to Arsenal. Uh, nothing confirmed. Apparently, there's no offer yet, but there has been an inquiry. And we're going to end the podcast with a question. I don't even know if this is controversial. It's more about... Would you rather have a superstar, a a Messi-like, Ronaldo-like, Neymar-like um, player for the U.S. men's national team with the current team? Or would you rather have an overall better team with more depth everywhere, better players in certain positions? There's a better team. But nevertheless, Pete, do we start with you or with Adam? Tyler Adams. I want. Uh, let's start with you, Pete. Then we'll, we'll give it to Adam there. We see some USMNT fans claiming Tyler is a top five central defensive midfielder in the Premier League. We see some say top 10. We say some say top 15. And we see some say that he's actually a liability for Leeds United. Where do you stand with Tyler Adams right now? So, I mean, the simple answer is I think he's probably somewhere around mid-table in terms of sixes in the Premier League. Like, I don't think he's as good as some people say. I don't think he's as bad as some people say. But I think more of the discussion about Tyler Adams is what kind of a six is he? Because there's two kinds of sixes in global, you know, soccer. And that is one is, you know, the sort of the the ball-winning midfielder, right? The guy who protects the back line, who wins challenges, uh, you know, and to varying degrees, they're good on the ball or not. And then you have, you know, the different types. Okay, so give me like Tyler Adams and Casemiro, for example, are both the type that I just mentioned. And then you've got the, you know, Joshua Kimmich, the Rodri, the Gundogan types, whose job is to be more of a deep-lying playmaker, right? And so 
if you're asking a six whose primary job is to protect the back line and to win the ball to play the role of a playmaking six, or if you compare him to a playmaking six, I think he's always going to come out, uh, you know, not looking great on the ball because you're comparing him to a different kind of six. But if you evaluate Tyler Adams based on what he is, then that's when I think he's probably about a mid table Premier League midfielder. You know, he's no Casemiro, but he's not that he's not a bad midfielder by any means. And I also and we'll get into this during the debate. I think he's better on the ball than some people give him credit for. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, before I give my take, too, I agree with a lot of that. I'll tell you what I disagree very soon. Adam, what's your overall thought on Tyler in the Premier League? How he how he were how how he compares to maybe the best the 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 average one yeah again when we say average premier league central defensive midfielder we actually mean one of the best in the world right because that's the best league right now so if you're an average premier league player that means you're a pretty damn good player so adam where do you stand so yeah it, this is an interesting topic and it's obviously a hot one and i think it's the epitome right i think you could do a case study on this tyler adams issue over the last 16, 18 months, right? And I think if you if you could somehow go back and track popular opinion of him during this last year and a half stretch, it's I think it's fascinating, right? I think last year, to Pete's point, which is a great one, right? When there were, especially the coaching change last year, midway through, right? When Jesse Marsh got fired, I think, and, and even before that, right? Before Jesse Marsh got hired, Adams didn't fit the role that both of those managers I think wanted out of a six. It's why you saw him go to right back, right at times. And it's why you saw him really struggle at RBL last year. So I, like to that point, if you're going to play him there, he's not going to look very good. And then everybody's going to come out and say, well, he's terrible and he's overrated and he has no place on the national team. It wasn't a huge opinion, but you saw that. Right. And I think that's, it, it's interesting. And now it's swinging totally the other way. He's been, he's in a perfect system with a manager that's using him really well, I think. And he's playing well. I want to give him credit. Um, but now it's swung back totally the other way. And I ran a poll. It had like, you know, 4,000 votes on it. And, you know, it was like, where is he? Top five, you know, six to 10, 11 to 15 or the bottom. And it, it kind of shaped out exactly how I thought it would. It was like 44% put him six to 10, 42% put him 11 to 15. So like a high majority, almost 90, 85%, something like that had him somewhere in that middle mm -hmm. six to 15 range. And then you have kind of like a, you know, 8%, 6% on either end. So to me, it's almost like there are some people who think that the top and the bottom, but most of us land between, you know, 6 to 15. I bet most of us land 8 to 13, 14. Um, and that's where I am. I, I'm, I'm a little bit lower. I think there's a difference between being a top 10 player and playing really well in a given season or a given stretch. And I think people mistake that and get really overreactionary sometimes. It's like three months left of this season. Like, let's you know, let's see how this goes. If he can do it for a full season, then I might give you, I might give you that he's like back into the top 10, you know, but right now I still have him somewhere around 12, 13. I'm not ready to put him over Nagolo Conte who hasn't, who's been hurt. I get it, but like, I'm not ready to put him there yet. And a lot of people are, a lot of people are like, well, no, he, he's better than Conte right now. I'm like, well, if Conte's healthy, he's not, right? I so, might be better than Conte right now. He can't run, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're all better than Conte Pete, right no, now. No, Pete's like, not. Pete's not. He can't run. I'm not better than Conte. Sorry, I'm about yeah, yeah. the same level as Conte right <laughs> yeah. now. We're on similar levels. <laughs> Pete, Pete and Conte are at the same level right now, but me and Adam, we can actually run right now, so we're better than Conte right now. So, uh, 
so my overall take with Tyler, it's a little bit of what both of you said. I, I, I mean, we all rated him around the same level, right? I don't think we really consider him 10. 10 would be like peak Tyler. Somewhere between 10 to 15 is where I place him. It seems like Adam's that way. And Pete, if you said mid-table, that's roughly where you're placing him around. Maybe the higher end, perhaps. Every time someone says that, people ask us to name central defensive midfielders that are better than Tyler Adams. And to me, I, I mentioned a few names. Declan Rice, to me, he is better than Tyler Adams. Rodri, for sure. Bruno Guimarães, Fabinho, Casemiro. Um, and Dindi, maybe, from Leicester, might be better. I prefer Ruben Neves, Partey, for sure. Partey. Conte, that you mentioned. I know he's not playing. Um, João Palinha from Fulham has been very good. There's So there are players that are better. Now, I agree with Pete that Tyra Adams' role is to – his role, he does very well with his role. And on the ball, what he does, where many people are not going to understand anything I'm saying right now, in Brazil you call the player that can do the feijão com arroz. Feijão com arroz is black beans with rice. What does that mean in Brazil? <laughs> It's the basics. That's like a basic food. So when yeah. someone is like Tyler, like you get the ball, he can do the pass, connect it, find the creator, um, sometimes get a right pass forward. But it's a guy that he doesn't provide a long shot threat. It's not some – maybe one day he will. He did score that Leipzig goal in the semifinals, um, quarterfinals. Oh, the, yeah, the, the quarterfinals. But even you're that talking about the, def the def deflected, deflected off the foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Deflected, yeah. 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 But he's not, really, he's not really a threat from the long shot. And then we talk about Casemiro. He is a threat in long shot. He's known for that. He scored in the World Cup a goal like that. In the air, he's also a threat. On the ball, Casemiro does do line-breaking passes. If you watch Manchester United, he does do that. I don't think Casemiro is good in tight spaces. Probably not better than Tyler Adams in tight spaces. They're probably equal in that. But there's certain things from Tyler that he doesn't really do. Now, if Tyler has a player that can do that next to him, even though I would hate to see a midfield of like Tyler and Casemiro, that's pure soccer terrorism right there. Uh, he can't provide anything different on the ball. He can do the basics on the ball. He can do some simple passes. He's not going to get you a good opening. His distribution is okay. I think he's improved in all that. He's been worse, especially when he was there in Leipzig, probably because he wasn't playing enough. So my overall point was with it is everyone, not everyone, sorry, a good amount of fans were saying that Tyler was going to move to a Champions League team. He was going to move to an Europa League team. A good amount of fans, okay? That's not little. I can't see the way he plays being a starter for any of those teams. I can see them signing him. If he's a backup, they would use him, just like Leipzig did. Right, they would use him, and there's a lot of usefulness on on Tyler Adams, even on the top teams. But the way his ability on the ball will never allow him to be a starter for a reliable Champions League, a top six Premier League team, a consistent top six Premier League team. Right? Um, I don't know if there's anything from there that you guys disagree with, but that's my overall take on Tyler. I don't think he's bad on the ball. You can't be a six in the Premier League, start and do decent, and be awful on the ball. So he can't be awful. But I really think he's ineffective on the ball. I don't think he's a threat on anything on the ball. When he has the ball, a lot of the times they let him have the ball. They'd rather have him have the ball. Pete? Yeah, I think what you said about top, top six Champions League teams, usually to play for those teams, even if you're a ball-winning midfielder, you need to have a certain amount on the ball. Agreed. Otherwise, you just can't play. for. I mean, when we talk about top six teams in the Premier League, we're also talking about Probably, I don't want to say top six teams in the world, but top six teams in the best league in the world. Like, I think there's a massive difference between the sixth team in Serie A, right? Mm -hmm. Which might be, you know, I don't know who it is now, honestly, but 
you know, Roma, for example, is very different. I think they're actually fourth now, but Roma is very different than say, you know, Manchester United. Um, mm -hmm. I just think the Premier League is very tough and you're right. I don't think he could start. Never is a strong word, but I can't see it anytime soon. Oh no, the never is if he stays as he is, which let's be honest on the ball. I don't think he's going to improve that much. He is who he is. He might improve some aspects, but it's not like he's going to become a prolific long shot player out of nowhere. He's going to start putting nice through balls. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I don't think long shots is ever going to change. Um, through balls is more, it's partially technical. It's partially also vision, right? Because most professional players can play a good through ball. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, most at a, in the top five leagues, let's say. Part of it is about vision and timing and technique and they all kind of have to come together. It's just not really who Tyler Adams is. Now, personally, I'm okay with that, right? I think it gets exacerbated more because for the U.S., we play Tyler Adams as a six with two eights. If we played Gio Reyna as a 10, for example, I don't think people would be worried about whether or not Tyler Adams can pick a through ball because he doesn't need to. That's not his job. His job is to protect the back line and dish it off to a creator and then let them do that. Now, to be fair, Leeds play a 4-2-3-1 and they brought in Mark Roca to be the other side of that double pivot, you know, a Spanish technical midfielder whose job was to be the distributor, sort of the complement to Tyler Adams's, you know, what's the word brawler, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Mark Roca hasn't done that. So oftentimes, I'm sorry for me, Mark Roca has been a bit of a disappointment for Leeds this year. If his job is to be the distributor and the creator from deep, sort of the libero in that double pivot, he hasn't done that. So what ends up happening sometimes is I think Tyler Adams tries to do too much uh, and then ends up trying to pick through balls that end up getting cut out. Um, and I think that's more a Mark Roca problem than a Tyler Adams problem. I agree with you. I don't think he's a top 10 or top eight midfielder in the, in the Premier League or, you know, six in the Premier League. But I also, I want to point out some stats from, you know, uh, what's it called? FB, FB ref. Yeah, FB ref. When I hear FB, my mind goes to Facebook. So it's just always confusing. It's called meta now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Meta. <laughs> um, so these are his stats compared to the top five leagues, Europa League and Champions League sixes in the world in terms of on the ball. Passes attempted per 90, he's at 58.90. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean necessarily progressive passes, but that's still above average. The average is 52.4, so slightly above average. Just for context, progressive passes can be read in three different ways, usually, depending on what you use. Sometimes it's 10 meters, 20, and 30. The one so, for that website is 10 meters, so it's, it's a bit yeah, short. Yeah, 10 yards from its furthest point in the last six 10 yards, sorry, sorry, I was using yeah. meters. Yeah. No, you're right. And, but but in terms of stats, that's one of the metrics that we have that we can look at. Pass completion rate is 84%. So he's a reliable passer of the ball, generally speaking. Safe, yeah. Safe, reliable passer. Progressive passes, he's at 4.34 per 90, which is above average. He's in the top 29% in the top five leagues. So like you said, progressive passes, it's also a bit of a confusing stat because it literally says, you know, the... Completed passes that move the ball towards the opponent's goal at least 10 yards from its furthest point in the last six passes or any completed pass into the penalty area excludes passes from the defending 40% of the pitch. So it has to be at least near the halfway line and it has to be 10 yards further than its furthest point in the last six passes. The problem is that the way that leads play six passes ago, it could have been with the goalkeeper. <laughs> so, or, or, you know, <laughs> possibly 
with the striker and then went back to the goalkeeper because they got forced back. So it is hard to say, you know, what that stat actually means. But I do think it's instructive. Like from what I've seen, the eye test of Tyler Adams, he's not a creator on the ball. I think that's very obvious. But I don't have a problem with him being able to win the ball, snuffing out danger, and then dishing it to a creator. I think that's where Leeds needs to, you know, Brendan Aronson, for example, needs to step up because his job is to be a creator, not just a presser. And he hasn't done that enough. You know, one thing that before I give the mic back to Adam there, one thing that did bother me about Tyler a few times with Leeds and people said I was picking one specific clip, but that happens way more often than they think. And it happens with the U.S. men's national team. Sometimes he gets the ball and he has the chance to push it forward by dribbling. That's another alternative that midfielders can do. And it is a criticism that we have done of our center backs of like Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, how they have the ball, they have space and they don't push it forward. They can't do it. Now, Tyler, I do think, as much as I don't think he's great on the ball, he does have the ability to dribble the ball forward. He is technical enough that he can do that when there's space. And you see very often in the game that when he has that chance to do so, he never does. Now, you could say it's maybe a Jesse Marsh instruction. Tyler, don't go. I'm going to expose the back line. Whatever it is, that's fine. But that happens to the United States too, right? He has space to push it forward. He doesn't do it. It's like quick passes, get rid of it which is fine if he's not comfortable doing it, but that is a lack of ability on the ball. Whether it's mental, whether it's actually a, a lack of ability, that's a different discussion. I like players that do that. I'm not saying he's Conte, but we've seen Conte do this many times, right? Well, that's he where the Conte him. comparison makes no sense to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never seen Tyler Adams beat anybody on the dribble. And exactly. Conte does that almost routinely. But the clip I shared, he had a lot of space to progress the ball forward on the dribble. And then when they closed down on him, he could have released it. And that's when you catch teams when they're switching from one phase of play to the other. That's when, because nowadays it's so hard to break defenses that are well-organized. In the Premier League, almost all of them are. So when you catch team in transition, that's why we've seen the past few years how the transition game is so dangerous. If you have a player that can do that, that is a difference maker. Tyler Adams is not that, right? That's not him. That is okay. He's still our best six. He's still more than capable of playing the Premier League. He's still a very good Premier League six. But I just think that the whole Tyler Adams is elite, Tyler Adams is elite, that's where I have a problem. I think he's a very good Premier League player. I don't think he's elite. But then again, elite might just be a definition, right? You might say any starter in the Premier League is elite. Yeah, that word is so subjective. It's like world class, yeah. right? How do you how do you define elite, world class, et cetera, et cetera? Adam, any yeah. final thoughts on Tyler? Yeah, and everybody's definition is going to be different, right, Pete? Like your definition of world class. <laughs> like I've had that com that conversation. Like, you think he's world class? And I'm like, no, no way. And they're like, well, I think he's a top 50 player at his position, and that's world class. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I've got it at top 10. Like, you know, you just kind of yeah. go back and forth. But yeah, in terms of Adams, I think that I have one thing that I, I'm not sure has 100% been said. And it's like, it's going to go back to our, our crazy US, you know, MNT Twitter sphere. And it's like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, go with um, go with the way that the wind's blowing, right? And I feel like right now, post-World Cup and in-World Cup, the wind was blowing, you know, in the direction of Tyler being this, you know, world-class player because he had a really good World Cup. He did really well for us. And I think his games were, you know, flashy in the way that a, a Sixes games can be flashy, right? Where he made a lot of big plays and big tackles. The highlight reel looks great. And everybody Outside else of not tracking Memphis Depay. <laughs> for sure. The low, light, the low light tape did not look very good. Um, but everybody's like, hey, you know, he can play for Liverpool. 
Like you, like that was not a small take. Like there were a lot of people for like a couple of weeks, like Liverpool and same thing, Aronson. I'm hearing that stuff too. And I'm like, guys, we need to just reel it back. Like our, we, we, we I think we at times overstate how great our players are when they're on a hot streak and then vice versa when they're on a, a you know, on a, on a, a, a kind of coals, right? We've seen that with Pulisic. We've seen it with a number of different guys. I think that Pete, you hit a really good point, which is like, there's a threshold to play for these teams, these Liverpools. And this is what I've tried to like, you know, argue with people about to play for a Liverpool, to play for a, you know, even a Man United is going to have this kind of threshold, right? Even though they haven't been great for the last decade, there's a threshold of ability in all of these different facets of the game that you have to have. I don't think Adams has that threshold of technical ability. Any of those teams, these are teams that can spend the most money in the world and get any player, right? Do I believe that they're going to want this version of Tyler Adams? I don't. I don't. Maybe two, three years from now he can develop. I don't see it happening. He's 24. There's, I, I think it's a really hard thing to develop your technical skill past a certain age. I think there's a threshold of improvement that happens, right, where it's like my ceiling, I'm 24, your ceiling's here now, right? If you're 15, your ceiling might be up here and you can fill it. Um, and I think we're at the point with Adams where we kind of know what he is, and it's great for us. And to all the Adams haters – He's great for us. He's perfect for us. Everybody wants to replace him with Johnny tomorrow and all these other people tomorrow. There's nobody in our pool that can do what he does. We want to run a double pivot with Wes and Musa and leave Adams out. And I'm like, maybe some games, but I, I can't see that yeah, being the answer. Yeah, for playing Grenada, maybe. Sure, but, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Like, like I, it's, I, I don't see it. So, um, and all you have to do, I'm sorry to cut you off. All you no, have to good, do is good. watch Musa jog back for Valencia when they lose the ball to know he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've seen people arguing Luca De La Torre is a six. And I'm like, I don't think that's the answer, guys. But you're not know, at I, a I high level. No. The other thing I want people to do, and this is going to kind of maybe go a little bit against the, the video you posted, Tack. But I think I think you because I, I do the same thing. I'll post clips sometimes, but it's an example of something I'm seeing a lot. And I try and tell people that, right? That I get that you can just say this is a one-off, but I watch the game a lot and here's what I see. A lot of people will post clips of like a great Adams pass, right? And he had, he had a couple in the World Cup. And they're like, see, he can do it. And it's like, guys, he's a pro. Of course he can do it every once in a while, right? All pros can do it every once in a while. I could put together a highlight tape of Walker Zimmerman looking like a, an elite center back passer pinging people the ball have around. done that people have done that. Uh, i know like, <laughs> and you have like it, it just lacks all context though right like watch the game because the difference between even casemiro right who pete you talked about casemiro is not an elite passer worldwide but the difference between casemiro and tyler adams it's on the margins it's like watch enough and you will see him make those passes far more often than you see tyler adams now is he doing it as much as joshua kimmich no way right and so I think that's the nuance of the game that sometimes people miss by only watching the, you know, the, the all touch comps and, you know, the stuff that I think a lot of people, um, you know, are heavy on. And also a lot of those all touch comps are best moment comps. Yeah, yeah, yeah like for sure. The two minute video on Twitter is usually best moment comps. It's almost it's as if you're trying to sell the video. player, right? Get a transfer fee, a high transfer fee for him. You can't, you can't do all, all touches in two minutes. Like I've actually tried. I've been like, well, this is a guy of the Maybe a goalie, for eight it. minutes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said too, to be fair, Casemiro that we're using as an example quite often here, because he is a ball-winning midfielder, he's always placed next to very technical midfielders, right? He was very successful next to Modric and Kroos, where he had a lot of he had to connect with them. He was a danger on long shots, he was a danger on set pieces, he did add different values, but he had those guys next to him. And now in at Manchester United, you see him play with Ericsson, Bruno Fernandes. So 
there is a difference. So yeah, I, I'm, and look, just to back to what you said, yes, for the United States at the sixth position, I don't think anyone comes close to Tyler Adams right now. They don't. It doesn't matter, even if it's style of play. The only thing that we could do is like what Pete said. If you're playing Grenada, maybe you don't need that much defense. So you just put maybe a midfield of like Musa and Reina. Just go for 12 goals. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Or you could play Dudel Torre at the six against Grenada. No problem. But, you know. Which, by the way, we play Grenada next month. So No, next month, March. So In Grenada. So, Anthony Hudson, did you hear that? <laughs> Could you imagine if it's Anthony Hudson? Um, but since we're 24 minutes into the podcast, let me put a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings, and then let's go to Weston McKinney to Arsenal. And I'm going to let Pete open that one, uh, unless, Adam, you're very much into it, because I know Pete did even a video on it. Um, but, hey, thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring the podcast. In four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few shots to win the big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official official sports betting partner of the NFL. So what you have to do right now is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code TBPN. That is TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on conference championships and get $200 in free bets instantly, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TBPN. Adam, I know you follow the NFL closely, don't you? I do. What's the Super Bowl this year? I got Chiefs and uh, and 49ers. And this is not financial advice, okay, for DraftKings No, guys. please. Oh, definitely don't take that advice. <laughs> definitely don't bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, everyone, thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring the podcast. Download DraftKings Sportsbook and use the code TBPN. Okay? Don't miss out on that. And use Adam's picks if you want to, not because he told you so, okay? This is not one of those, like, financial YouTube channels that – tell you to buy that stock and then it tanks and you lose money and you blame them for it later yeah at your own risk can we just put that on there <laughs> like, at your own risk <laughs> yeah we need one of those risk. really fast disclaimers that you know they say yeah. like like super speed where it's like financial risk is not something that is yeah. like, podcast. Please use caution and blah 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 when you decide to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's all we need at, 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 at stand usmt is not liable for any losses that you will take <laughs> exactly. someone at stand someone... usmt is only an advisor for the nfl he is not a <laughs> Yeah, we're trying uh, real to quick, before we jump into McKenny versus Arsenal, we have a quick review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts rather to read. Very informative, five stars by Aman KDR. He says, Love this podcast to keep up on the USMNT at a high tactical level. Thank you, Aman. And thank you to every single one of you who's left reviews. You can't leave reviews on Spotify, but you can leave them on Apple Podcasts. Um, it really helps. Rate us at least. If you like the podcast, give us a five-star rating. It helps other people to find the podcast. So we really appreciate it. And thanks to all 74 of you who've left reviews so far and the or almost 500 now that have left ratings. We really appreciate it. Which, by the way, uh, Pete read that rating. And I just want to say one thing because I got a lot of comments from it. The podcast we did, Adam, last year, right? Um, it was right after, right before New Year's, right? Lots of great reviews. People loved you here. So... You're going to have to come back from time to time, at least get you here once a month, once every two months here. Yeah, we're a community, right? I mean, that's what's really nice about, you know, not the tactical Yanks, but like, you know, USMNT Twitter, the, the YouTube channels, people's podcasts. It's a community. And I think, you know, bringing each other on each other's, you know, podcasts and, and getting other voices and other opinions and ideas, because that's what this is all about, right? It's debate. 
nobody's right and nobody's wrong. Well, a few people are wrong, but generally speaking, it's all <laughs> just me. That's, I'm talking about some real clowns. Gio Reyna scores a goal and they come out of the woodwork. Those are the people I'm talking about. But, you know, it's, it's fun to get other opinions on and maybe have more debates and just like group hangs where everybody talks about soccer. Because this is the thing about soccer in this country, right? We, we all live all over the place. And most of us come from a family or a friend group where we might be the only soccer fan. So we have each other. And thank God for the Internet, right? Because if we didn't have that, it would be harder to connect. Yep, that definitely for U.S. soccer, that would have been a problem. But Pete, uh, Weston McKinney is linked to the Juventus. It seems like the fee would be somewhere between 20 to 25 million euros or whatsoever. Uh, Juventus lost 15 points in the Serie A due to alleged financial issues that they've had or irregularities. Not to say alleged, so we don't get a lawsuit here. Uh, I mean, alleged might be confirmed by the fact that their entire board resigned. <laughs> so I don't know how yeah, but, but, but here we say alleged because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so so it looks like they're not going to play Champions League next season. They've been struggling financially regardless. There's going to be less money. Weston has offers. He wants to go to the Premier League. With that said, Arsenal popped up as an option. Um, your first thoughts on it. And then, Adam, I don't know how much you follow Arsenal to comment on this, but we'll get your take too. Go, Pete. So I like the move. I really do for several reasons. Number one, I think that McKenney is kind of stagnating at Juve. <clears throat> I think that Juve, first of all, the club is kind of a wreck right now. When your whole board resigns, there's usually a reason for it. You know, they were one of the architects of the Super League because they are, you know, they're bleeding financially. They have lost a lot of players. A lot of their players that they have now are, you know, approaching the end of their careers. Di Maria is going to be a big loss for them. He's always injured. You know, Rabiot is coming to the end of his career. They lost Ramsey. They lost Ronaldo. You know, they have some, you know, some good young guys still, but it's a problem for Juve. And what I haven't enjoyed about McKenney recently with Juve is that he can get injured, put on a little bit of weight, come back, play poorly, and yet still start the next week. Now, as a USMNT fan, your part of you is like, oh, that's great. They really like this kid. Uh, they keep giving him opportunities. But I think it's time for McKenney to push himself. You know, he's 24 now. Um, and I think that... He keeps playing at Juve partially because of the injuries to Cordado, to, you know, Pogba. But I think Arsenal would push him more because he wouldn't be a starter at Arsenal, at least not right away, right away. But he would be part of a very punishing, you know, Premier League, which let's face it, it's the toughest league in the world. I think part of me thinks that that would suit his style of play, his explosive athleticism that McKinney has. I think that would suit the Premier League, his ability to win duels and ride challenges. Uh, the other side, though, is the technical side. And Arsenal are a very technical team. I don't think he would start over Xhaka, Partey, or obviously Odegaard. But I also think he's better than Lokonga, Emil Smith-Rowe, and Vieira. I think he's better than those three. Some people might disagree on Smith-Rowe. I can understand some arguments for that. Different, right? Also, very different styles. Very different player. He can also play wide in a pinch, as we've seen. And I think that Arsenal, who now have Europa League, right, coming up, and they also want to try and, you know, win this Premier League race, which they're in good stead to win it. That's why they're trying to restock. They brought Trossard. It looks like they're getting um, Kirior, Jakub Kirior from Spezia, the center back. I personally love this move. I also think it's a long-term move. You see, we're no, we don't have a World Cup coming up. We don't need him to be starting every game for form and fitness. We need what's best for McKinney long-term, and I think... Arsenal would not let him get away with some of the things he's getting away with right now at Juve. 
they also have Champions League next season because they are going to qualify for sure to the Champions yeah. League. They have yeah. 50 points already in the Prem and they're going to need depth. So even if he's not a locked-in starter for Arsenal the next two seasons, he's going to get rotational minutes. And the thing with rotational minutes in England is whether you rotate into the Champions League or whether you rotate into the league, it's always a tough game. But Adam, your thoughts on Weston possibly going, uh, allegedly going? No, possibly <laughs> possibly going to Arsenal. Yeah, I, I agree with most of what Pete just said. I, I don't think he's penetrating. That midfield's been really, really good for them this year, you know, and and I think it's been – they've really kind of leaned on that midfield. And if you look at their game, it's just like the same midfield, game in, game out. And I don't know – you know, I, I think he could get some Europa run or, or kind of rotational run in the Premier League. I'm a little worried about his motivation. So – is he going to be okay going there and playing far less than he's been playing at, at, at Juve? And is that going to make him fight or is that going to make him go into the shell that makes him get a little chubby every summer? Like whatever, you know, like he likes to party apparently. And he like, so I'm just a little worried about that. Cause I I've, you know, as a coach, I've seen players go multiple directions when they're faced with that kind of a challenge. And I I'm a little worried about who he, who he is and how he's going to handle that if for the next two years, you know, he's essentially a backup. So that worries me. But what he costs right now, who he is, plus what he costs, plus, you know, the wages he's going to want to demand, plus the clubs he's going to want to play for at this point, it's one of my favorite clubs he could go to. Because honestly, like, and that's the problem that we're going to have with him, moving Pulisic, right? Dest is like these guys, the clubs aren't going to let them go for nothing. You know, they're, they're not going to take a massive loss on these guys. So as much as I kind of want them to go down one notch and become a starter and become the man somewhere, it's just actually not realistic, you know, on a lot of fronts. So I like Arsenal from the fact that, like, I, I it fits, I think, his DNA. I think when I watch them play, it fits his DNA. If he can buy into being a backup, like I said, some players can, some players can't, which I think he can then I think this could be an awesome place for him to just grow in the next two years. And like you, I think you guys, this is a team on the come up, not the come down. Right. So they're only going to get better and better. And if he can be a part of that, I think that's just, that's a ton of fun. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm split, right? Like I think about our guys and some of our more middle-aged guys, it's weird to call 24 year old middle-aged cause they're not, but like him and Pulisic, I want them to just go establish themselves and become the guys at places, even if it's not, top champions league football um there's a whole other end of the argument which i get and i i i am not sure i'm right on it <laughs> which is being a backup at a club like that could be better for your game and better for your development even at 24 to 27 i'm split guys so i, I i'm interested to hear what you have to say filippo but honestly my art like you can lean me either way right now because it's a massive moment in time for a bunch of our guys and i this mckinney I think move is is a representation of where we're going to be with a number of different guys here in the next year. I personally love the move. I think it's a great challenge for Weston. I'm 100% fine with him being not I'm not fine with him being a backup. I'm fine with him getting there as a backup and having to fight for a spot rather than staying on Juventus where he's a locked in starter right now. It's a move up. Why my question to anyone that's saying that Weston has to take a step back. Why does he have to take a step back? He's starting for Juventus. He's starting for them. Like Pulisic, I get the point, right? It's like, okay, he's not breaking through Chelsea. Maybe he needs a step back. But Weston doesn't need a step back. 
He's starting for Juventus. Even when he plays like crap, he still starts the next game. So my point is he has to move up. He's moving up to a team that is extremely technical. Arteta is very demanding. They play well. They're in the Champions League, in the Premier League. The worst that can happen is he's benched for two seasons, and then he probably gets a move a year before the World Cup or so. But he'll come out a better player. Obviously, I don't want him to go to Arsenal and get zero minutes, but I don't think that'll happen. If they sign him, I think he'll play. I think he'll start for them in the Europa League right away. Possibly, yeah. I agree, because they're going to focus on the Premier League. I can see that happening. And he will probably get a lot of bench minutes coming off the bench in the Premier League. Uh, And you never know. Like, Arsenal's been lucky this season with some injuries. I know Gabriel Jesus got injured, but, like, the midfield right there, as far as I know, Partey, Shaka, and uh, Odegaard have been mostly healthy all season long you never know one of them can go down all of a sudden you need to switch things up one game you need to go a bit more defensive and then we watch him maybe go with like Partey, McKenney, and Odegaard replacing Shaka that's been brilliant Shaka's also what 31 32 yeah 31 Partey is 30 as well yeah so there might be so there's something there and again if Arteta wants tactical flexibility wants to shift if he wants to try a 4-4-2 Weston can be a right midfielder gives him that weapon as well so i am 100 fine with this move is he going to be a starter one day for arsenal i don't know um it's going to be up to him to grind and try to get it but i love the move i think even if he leaves arsenal two seasons and doesn't become a starter he'll come out a better player um more technical whatever it is and, and you asked and adam mentioned about as a backup is he going to start partying is he not that's on him that's on him he, he if he starts to do that because he's a backup it's just a mistake on his end. Should keep working. If he's a backup, he should work harder. See, I think he's actually more likely to do that if he is the guy, right? Because I think there's something about, oh, I'm the big man on campus. I can go out partying as opposed to like, Mikel mm. Arteta gave me the stinky eye this morning when I came in two minutes late and also asked if I was having ranch on my salad again. Like he is like, he's a disciple of Pep Guardiola Arteta, right? His attention to detail and his almost maniacal need for control i think would be good for a guy like mckinney i really do yeah, yeah plus, I, I, the food in london is not that good so he'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> won't get right. good the the food in london is not that good that's right? <laughs> true Italy, it's, italy's it's, better it's, man it's all fried it's all fried though unfortunately but no <laughs> I, pete pete you made a great point right which is i think in, if we've all coached players and seen different players go in different directions and you're right right like some guys who struggle with discipline just actually need to be in the right environment, you know, and like need to be in a demanding, high, highly account, high accountability, high demanding that environment can, can absolutely. And that's why I'm like very split. Cause I'm like, I don't know Weston McKinney, right? I don't know. Never coached him. Don't know him intimately. I do know a little bit of the things that surround him. So I'm interested to see which way it goes. I, I think that, you know, Jaka being 30 interests me a lot too, right? Like he's not going to, play forever there, right? So if he does back up for the next season and a half and Jaka kind of ages out, who's, you know, who's the replacement, right? And that could be a really interesting spot for a young 26-year-old Weston McKinney to be in, where it's like, you know what, I've you know paid my dues. I've earned my way into the starting role at 26 in my prime, and they're going to be really good. You know, they've got a lot of really good young pieces. And so that could be really fun too. I think that's a kind of exciting piece of it too. Yeah, and we never know also what Arteta could be thinking. Could be thinking about having Weston for set pieces. There's many different things. If they, if he, if he signs Weston, I think he has a plan. Arteta, like Pete said, um, he's 
his attention to details is pretty big. He's a picky guy. He's not going to bring Weston just because he wants to have a guy that speaks with an American accent. So Weston will get to hang out with Matt Turner while he's there. So. Yeah, there you go. He already has a guy with an American accent. So he already has one. Yeah. So and Austin last... Trusty. Oh yeah, Trusty might be there. Probably not. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, hope his finger is doing all right. That was nasty. <laughs> that was gross. That was. Yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Austin Trusty broke his finger over the weekend. He's fine. It dislocated, right? But it's fine. But it, it looked disgusting to see his finger bent sideways. Last topic of the podcast. And maybe the most exciting one. No, not really. I don't I don't know. They're all pretty good topics today. We got lucky today. We had hot topics here. This is an interesting discussion. Would let me just start by asking a question, and then I'm gonna start to give you guys some of the opinions I saw from different people. Would you rather have a superstar global global pop star soccer player? By that, I don't mean like a Kevin De Bruyne or a Modric. I mean like a true pop star, a player that's has the skill because Kevin De Bruyne and Modric have that skill set, but they don't have that star power, right? That a Ronaldo has, a Messi, even Neymar. Neymar might not be a better player than a Modric, but if Neymar comes somewhere, there's much more tension. A Ronaldinho. Okay, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. Is the reason that Luka Modric and Kevin De Bruyne are not don't have that star power because of the position that they play in, or is it based on their personality? I think it's three things right there. Personality is one of them, but I'll counter argue that Messi doesn't really have that personality. Mm. But Messi's Messi, right? Too yeah, good. It's a different level. Scoring goals is very important. Assists are awesome, but people remember the goals, right? Scoring goals. And I do think it's a little bit of the personality, right? Ronaldo has that personality. Slatan, he's a pop star, right? Has that personality, scores goals. Um, Messi might not need the personality just because of how good he is. It's just too much, right? But it is a little bit of personality. But I can go back and tell you one thing, for example. Um, let's talk about Kaká, right? He never had that personality of, like, pop star, right? He was more of like a Kevin De Bruyne or Mordic, more like a timid Brazilian, which is not normal or not the, the norm. He did um, get a big crowd here in Orlando and everything, but... I feel like it doesn't have the same charm as a Ronaldinho, as a Neymar, even though he won a Ballon d'Or, Kaká. It doesn't have the same as a Ronaldo, Cristiano, right? A Messi, even Maradona, that was a little bit like too much at times. Romario, it's a bit different when you have guys like that, even an Henri. We need that superstar that's like, has a honestly has a big ego, but is dropping 20, 30 goals a season in the Premier League. Every Every American that loves soccer wants to watch that guy kids look up to that guy uh, unfortunately i don't see any player that we have right now that would be that or is that maybe Gio Reyna, but he's not a goal scorer so that could be a problem but he does have the personality and the talent to possibly be it but but before i get to you guys he's not a goal scorer you mean he's not going to drop 20 30 goals because of the position no he can score goals but he's not going to get 20 because it's not really well he could get 20 but it's more no. likely that he'll get 20 assists and 20 goals yeah, I think 10 and 10 might be a Gio Reyna style, like peak season for Gio. Maybe know? more assist than that, maybe. Uh, yeah. But, and then the other option is, would you rather have that player, that superstar, like Son is for South Korea? He changed the dynamic of soccer in that country. People, Son is like a, a pop star. 
Yeah. Or would you just rather the United States never have that or probably never have that in our lifetime and just have a consistently better team, a team that's always there in the quarterfinals. Sometimes we hit that semi almost like a Dutch team, but a bit worse, not making it to the final, like quarterfinal, semifinals, quarterfinal, 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 a semifinal. Um, would you rather have that or that super pop star right there that that's just like can, can I ask a can I ask a qualifying question? This might be an obvious one, Tech. Yeah. If we get the the superstar in this hypothetical, do we are we not a quarterfinal team very often? Are we like are we saying that our over are we now Norway right? Where like our overall team level maybe is a little bit lower, but we have um, Erling Haaland. I would I would say the quarterfinals would still depend upon who we face in the round of sixteen. But it's not. You're saying in one in one and you're saying that the great team we have a better team. Overall, we are better. We we make it further more consistently versus having the Neymar, and maybe we make a quarterfinal. Is that is that what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, yeah. Like the team is the same. Like you're still starting. Like maybe Walker Zim. I know we're not going to be starting him in 2026. Sure. And you're still starting a Walker Zim, and and then even gotcha. if you have a Neymar, that is a player that can still give a penalty. Kick. Like it's not it's not a player mm. at the highest level. So what I'm saying is. Um, we haven't consistently made to the quarterfinals. So adding a superstar could make us become that consistent quarterfinals, but it doesn't guarantee that. We could have still lost to the Dutch. We still had Greg Berhalter in charge. Could have <laughs> given him a limited role for whatever reason. As a matter of fact, he might have given our superstar a limited role. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine Gio Reyna with that goal he scored this last weekend against the Dutch in the 15th minute. And now it's a very different game. And what that would have done for Gio Reyna's profile. And, you know, like when you talk about this superstar, Gio Reyna is the dark prince that was promised. This kid is going to infuriate people over the course of his career in the U.S. especially. Particularly soft, uh, upper middle class, usually middle-aged people. Like it's always the soccer dads on Twitter that are mad at Gio Reyna. Have you noticed? Yes. It's like yes. soccer dad, one, two, three you know, father of some youth play. Like this kid has so much ego and sure he needs to direct it well. And sure, you know, he needs to stay healthy. You know? But if he does, he is going to piss people off and then score a goal like that to win an important game. And people are going to go nuts. Pete, let me ask you one thing. Do you think if he was American, would some of these fans want to bench Neymar or get him out of the national team? Ooh. That might be a stretch. I, I'm sure there will be one or two for sure. I mean, you know, some would they would hate him though. There's always a few crazies. My favorite one is it doesn't matter what you can do on the field if you have no respect off the field, <laughs> you don't belong anywhere near the national team. For it's like that dad who grew up saying yes, sir, yeah. you know, to his dad at you know until he was 25 because his dad fought in World War II, and now he thinks anybody under 35 should like bow down every time they see him and anybody with any personality is a disrespectful clown show like that's the vibe i get from some people on geo arena and actually i love it because every everyone should be able to play for bob knight in the <laughs> 80s in indiana yeah. you know like shut up like let your coach yell at you run through a wall for him yes like don't talk back. It, it really is like Pete, you're hitting the, thing, the nail though. on the head. Like that's Adam, the nail on the head. That's the person that that's I know, them. like Adam. I know you watch a lot of basketball. I know Pete doesn't so much. Our basketball players in this country are like that. They'll trash yes, talk. They're arrogant sure. and they're good at it. And people love it. 
if you they if you want to have it. a competitive basketball team at any level, right? Like I coach a pretty pretty good prep school class A team here in New England, right? We won the class A championship last year. It wasn't smooth sailing. Our center was showing up late to practice. He was going to New York City to party on a weekend and missing, you know, our two training sessions. Like we were dealing with stuff all the time, man. Like if you want to coach high level players, there's no, yes, sir. No, sir. A good soldier. You know, who's a good soldier, bad players. Cause yeah, they have to be, they have to be, they have to be to stay on the team. Seriously. Like he, and if, you, Adam, if you get a, if you get a good player, an elite player who is a great human, that's rare. That's not like the expectation. Like, most of the best players I've coached had attitudes, were hotheads, were hard to deal with sometimes. And there's different scales, some like incredibly hard to deal with, some kind of hard to deal with on certain days. But like, that's just a part of it. And it's, it's insane that people don't understand that. Like they don't have experience coaching high level players at any level if you don't get that. Or playing at a competitive level, I would say. It doesn't have to be professional. And you don't want to breed that out of people. You want you want them to um, to understand how to harness it and focus it, right? And how to effectively utilize all that energy they have. It's actually what makes them great. You know, what I, like that is what makes Geo really great. I think should Adam... he should he be a should he be a hothead in the way he is? No, hopefully he grows. But I don't want him to change. I don't want him to become some good soldier. That's not who he is. He, I think Adam just pulled a Greg Berhalter on his center, right? Saying that he went out to party. <laughs> like I had to discipline him. We had a, we had the players vote. Um, and he apologized. <laughs> and he apologized. And but that was, but they told him that wasn't enough. Uh, so, so, so Adam just pulled a Greg Berhalter on his center. I did. I did. I, did. I pulled a Greg Berhalter on our center last year, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think. I think that there are a lot of American soccer fans that want, that's ultimately what we all want one day is to win a world cup, right? We want to finally get, be the, you know, only the eighth country in the world, I think to win a world cup ninth. I don't think some American soccer fans are ready for what that means, because if you're winning a world cup, you are going to have egotistical, you know, driven, brash, arrogant, extremely talented players. And we tolerate that in every other sport in this country, like you said, from LeBron to Shaq to Kobe in basketball to, you know, Tom Brady. I'm sure there are plenty more in NFL. I don't watch it, but like we tolerate that in every other sport. Special players are allowed to be that way. And guess what? It's the same for Neymar and Ronaldo and Messi and Zlatan. Like they're allowed to be that way because they're so good. Right. And the best ones in the world are, are the ones that find the balance and harness it and use it. You know, you have some of them like Memphis Depay, who has all the attitude, but the talent is still not quite there to be at that level. You know what I mean? But I don't think people are ready for what that means, because trust me, if you had four or five Gio Reynas, sure, you wouldn't play them all at once because no one would defend. But you could win a World Cup like Pulisic has the talent, but he doesn't have the, the, the brashness, the, the attitude, mm. right? He's sort of quiet and self-effacing. He's more of a messy, right? He doesn't want to be the center of attention. He just wants to play soccer. You know, Gio is the opposite. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll tell you guys just to, I'll keep the story super quick. So my third year of, uh, as a college head coach, I had this team that was just, you know, full of a lot of young guys, basketball, off, right? Just make that basketball, 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 a lot of off court issues, you know, and honestly, I was, I was pretty young. I was 27 years old. 
you know, after the season, I'm like, oh my God, what did I just go through? And I talked to one of my coaching mentors who's, you know, been a college head coach for 30 years. And I'm like, listen to all this bad stuff that happened this year. And we had guys doing this and guys going out and partying the night before a game. And ah, oh, where was our leadership? And I feel, and he's like, Adam, I haven't had a season that I didn't have at least a little bit of that or a lot of it. He's like, if you want to coach, you got to, it's not about avoiding that stuff. You got to figure out right now how you're going to handle it and how you're going to manage it. And you heard so many players on, I heard some players on different podcasts speak the exact same thing after the geo thing that it's like, you guys would be shocked if you know what, what went on in actual locker rooms, right? This yes. world, I guarantee you, and there was worse stuff than the Gio Reyna in locker rooms of teams making quarterfinals and semifinals. I think France, we, we kind of heard about some stuff that happened, right? But like, this is happening everywhere. Like, stop acting like this is crazy. Like, this is a part of it. And we need to get a manager, not to shift topics here, but got to get a manager who can handle it, who can yes. you know, be, in, yes. be, in the, be in the kitchen when it gets hot, man, and like lean into it. And now our biggest problem is we didn't have a manager who was ready for that stuff. He wasn't ready for the heat. He no, wanted he like- never coached an elite player in his no. life until he got the USMNT job. Correct. Correct. Just add to what Adam said. That is very true. All of that happens. What happened between Greg, Reyna, and the team, that's very common. It's actually super common with a great team. What is not common is for a coach to rat out the player after to brag about it. And then the player's parents bring back dirt from the past because they're BFFs. That part is not so common. And I do know some people countered me, and I told this to Pete. Some people countered me because I said that we need to find coaches and people around U.S. soccer that are not BFFs from 30 years ago. Get out of this little club and get professionals, the best of each. And then someone replied to me saying, hey, Messi's dad, he sits with the, the Federation's boss, with the coach. I was like, yeah, Messi's dad sits down with Scaloni and he says, hey, play Messi. And then Scaloni says, yes, I'll play Messi, which he would have done anyway. It doesn't really matter, right? There's different levels to it. You can't have this little... That's the problem with it. The Gio Reyna saga with teams, it's far more common than people know. The difference is coaches don't leak it like Greg did. That's yeah, They're not so insecure that they need to go to a leadership conference and brag about their leadership skills. Like that's that's a beta move, right? An alpha just goes, yep, we dealt with it. That, that was, you know, we did what was best for the team and then we move on, you know, but that you, going and leaking it was crazy. But just to get back to the point that we were discussing... Kind of to touch on what Adam was saying, I think that if we had a superstar, let's say we had a Holland, and we put him together with this national team, I think we're consistently a quarterfinalist slash um, semifinalist team. I don't think we're that far off. I don't. So it's kind of a tough question, but essentially the way I see it is, do we want to be Morocco or do we want to be Portugal? Right? Because Portugal is up and down. I would say, I'll, so I'm trying to just put it to example. Um, you said this team, but I'm saying the United States consistently make it to the quarterfinals. We don't know how the next generation is going to be, right? We see more depth and we see more talent coming up, but I don't see any other Gio Reyna. I don't see any other Christian Pulisic. I don't see any other Yunus Musa. So how is our next generation? Is it really going to be better than this one? Or is it just going to be better than the previous one, before this one? But what I'm saying is consistently, uh, quarterfinal semifinals, which means we are consistently producing a Gio Reyna, a Pulisic, which we haven't proven that we can do that, right? No, so that's that's mainly what I mean. Of course, yeah, if you put Erling Haaland, if you put Messi, if you put um, Neymar, if you put Mbappe on this team, the odds of us beating the Dutch and probably losing to Argentina anyway, 
um, was high. We probably would have beat the Dutch or it would have been a bit closer um, unless Greg put him on a limited role. But so, again, I think everyone understood what I meant by a better team and the superstar, right? Does it make sense now? Yeah, it it, yeah. it does. I'll I'll give you I'll give you my these are my my two cents here, right? I think if you're interested in long term development of U.S. soccer, crazy enough, I actually think having a, a super you said superstars. I'm thinking like top five player, top ten player in the world. Those are the names you mentioned. Tax. Top five, top five, yeah. Sure, yes, that's what I want. And here's the reason why: I think that what like Tiger Woods did for golf in in the world, but mainly in America. I think that player would do for soccer. I think we're right on the cusp of soccer being able to really break out. I think it needs a mainstream star. Like Pulisic is like a semi-mainstream star, but he, you know, he's not doing very much in world soccer right now. Let's just be honest, right? He's not really doing much in international soccer, in club, club world, world club soccer. If we had a guy who was really at that level, I mean, it, it would become massive here. It really would. I, I think it would become a thing. And even if we were worse for the three cycles that player was a part of, I think it would boost soccer in America to, to a totally different level. Right? I totally agree. And and so that I see that. I I don't think that's going to happen. So the other reality, right? This is probably what is reality. I think the next generation coming up is going to be is going to have more depth than the one before it. And I think we're going to all of a sudden have the twenty thirty World Cup. I think we're going to be really deep. We're going to have some, you know, vets who are kind of aging out, but still good. And we're going to have a lot of like 22 to 26 year olds that I think are going to be playing at really high levels, but I don't think any of them will be uh, just predicting if I had to put my money on it. I don't think we have a top 10 to 15 player in the world at that point. Um, and I think that's okay. I think we can still be really, really good doing that. Uh, I would kind of go the superstar route. I think it's more fun. So, and, and I, to be honest, if we have a superstar, just reality is we're going to be pretty darn good. So It's, it's yeah. not just that, too. Having a superstar will get kids, right, that are American, that are watching right. Mbappe. Right. They're watching Ronaldo. Like, I coach right. kids here for soccer. They only talk about Mbappe, Ronaldo, Messi. All of a sudden, these kids are going to go, Dad, I want to watch the United States because – Steven something is playing up top and he scores Steven, for my, I promise you his name will not be Steven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever his name is. Um, we'll just say, um, Christian. Jesus. It's, it's Jesus Ferreira. That's what we're all missing. <laughs> or Ricardo, maybe a Brazilian. That's here. Me and Pete actually yeah. talked about this, Adam. We made up this brilliant plan. What I'll do is when I have kids, I'll have like five kids and I'll move back to Brazil. Mm -hmm. I'll let them get born here or, or they don't need to, right? They can get the citizenship through me anyway. So we go back to Brazil. I live there in Brazil, develop them all there and just hope one of the five, one of the five, just put them on the academy, just put them in there and hope that one of them, just, and if I fail, at least I did it for my country. <laughs> yeah, that, this this is the real development system here. I, we're tapping into something now. Like, <laughs> It's so crazy. It might just work. It might just work. But I think- we're kind of on the trajectory now to be like a Denmark, you know, or maybe not as good as, as the Dutch, but sort of like the Dutch. The Dutch don't have any superstars. Like Memphis Depay, I mean, recently, obviously they did in the past, but the last 10 years, Memphis Depay is their guy in the attack that we're talking about. Like, you know, Greg Berhalter, like we don't have a Memphis Depay. I think the way we're doing development, we're starting to get to a point where I think by 2030, we could be the Dutch just without mm. that, that superstar. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Dutch yeah. have never won the World Cup as good as they've been over many, many years. They caught close a few times. They had those superstars, though. Who's the who's the last yes. Dutch superstar? Robin? Robin. Robin. Right? 
Van Maybe Persie had less of a personality, but Van Persie yeah. was also tremendous. Yeah. But they had Johan Cruyff, that's legendary. Van Basten, yeah, sure, was, sure, was brilliant. But, yeah. Dennis, but it's been from- it's been since Robin and Van Persie, really, since they've had yeah, like Robin somebody who's Van Persie big on the, the last world two, stage. Yeah, now I they have Veghost. Veghost. Yeah, well, and <laughs> now they have yeah. def- now they now they have defenders. It's like the defenders are like the you're yeah, not going to get superstar I mean, defenders. Yeah. has some potential, but I don't know if he's ever yeah. going to be a top ten midfielder in the world. He's not. Or striker, whatever they play. Yeah. So I think that I didn't hear Pete. Pete, would you go also? No, yeah, I generally agree. I mean, from a selfish perspective, I'd rather us, if I knew we were going to make quarters and semis every time from a, you know, a USMNT fan perspective, I'd rather that than, you know, have a superstar, but we get knocked out of the group because everyone else is terrible. But reality is for the game to grow in this country, you're hundred percent right. Like we need a Tiger Woods. We need a Kobe. We need a Shaq. We need somebody that can just capture the imagination. A superstar at the highest levels who's up there with the best, best players in the world. And also the rest of talk about changing the way the world views American soccer. It, it isn't Greg Berhalter's bounce passes. That would change everyone's perception of Americans, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the, the perception of an American is still, oh, some good, they're starting to develop some good young players, some good pros that can really compete in the top five leagues. But nobody's going, oh, Americans, you know, football players, superstars. Like no one's no one's saying that, you know. And we'll wrap things up right there. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review uh, if you haven't already. And don't forget to go follow Adam on Twitter at Stan USMNT. We're probably going to post a link to the podcast when it's out so you can give him a follow. Great content. Guys, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And have a great day. Bye-bye.